Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Today, I'm super excited about our episode. Uh, I actually met our guest uh, quite recently, actually, and um, we ran into each other walking into a GoBundance Champions event in Dallas, Texas, and then you know found myself and my wife, Kara, um, having a conversation with Rob. Probably an hour later, we were still just standing at the door as if we were greeting at a church or something. Um, so amazing, amazing conversation, and I'm truly excited to get into it. Um, we're speaking to someone, his name is Rob Rossell, who has a truly inspirational story. Um, Rob hit rock bottom, but turned his life around against all odds to find freedom. He's been on an incredible journey, and he's going to talk to us today about his walk from living on the streets to a best-selling author, successful entrepreneur who has inspired so many people. Rob Rossell, uh, thank you for being on the show. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pleasure to hang out with the likes of you and your wife. You guys are super achievers and, I, and I, I love hanging out with you guys, man. So thanks for having me. Yeah, the pleasure's mine. And, you know, after getting to know you a little bit that night, we've had uh, multiple conversations since then. And I'm just really excited to uh, just kind of unpack how you, um, you know, your story and, and, it's interesting. Even the way we met was was uh, quite interesting. So uh, let's dive into the four questions. Uh, my first question for you is, what was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? My greatest setback was probably something I didn't have a ton of control of, but I lived the results of, and that is not having a strong male mentor in my life as a, as a young adult, teenager, child, if you will. Um, and I lived that results because of not having that mentor in my life. I had a whole lot of freedom as my mom, God bless her, a functioning alcoholic. I didn't know that when, when, when I was a kid. Uh, I knew that she was a hardworking woman trying to do the best she could for her kids. Um, but because of her being a single parent, I was allowed a whole lot more freedom than I really should have had control of. And that was the beginning of all of my problems. And I tried to make sure because of that, what I learned from it is every one of us males needs a male role model in their life, regardless of what season they're in, what age group they're in. We all need to have someone to look up to that has been where we want to be or is where we want to be and and can hold our hand through that minefield we call life. You know, that's so amazing. And I was literally just having a conversation with my coach this morning. And I think that's so important that you honed in on that because you know, not only do most people not have that strong male or female, depending on, you know, what side of the, right. um, the audience, uh, the audience is on, but any genuine mentor in your life is going to require some truth and honesty out of that. And that's one thing that, you know, I find so many people are lacking, um, you know, when, when we, when we have those mentors or coaches or whatever it is, as I was on a call with my coach this morning, we're, paying good money, sometimes not paying money, but we're there and we're committed and and we're in this safe place where we can be open and honest. And it's so important to have that. So I'm really glad that you pointed that out. 
Yeah, no question about it. Because uh, yeah, they, if they don't know where you're at or you're not being transparent with them, how can they possibly lead you correctly? So there's no question about it. I agree. Yeah, so good. What is yeah. the single piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? Well, the single piece of advice that I find myself find myself sharing the most is probably don't stop. Not probably. It definitely is. Don't stop investing in yourself. None of us has arrived. And, and it's funny, you know, in my book, I talk about the road of success is a curved road, right? And you can't see past the curve that's up ahead in the road until you've gotten to that curve, right? That's the, that's the road of life, right? So we don't know. We don't know. We've already talked a little bit about that. But until I get up to that curve in the road, I can't possibly see around. And then what I'll get to see is up until the next curve, because I can't handle everything I need to know to go three curves. I just need to know what I need to do right now. So investing in yourself, continuing education, understanding that you don't know what you don't know, and continually humbling ourselves to be students is probably the biggest piece of advice I continually um, offer to people. This might be in the same thread as the same answer, but um, if you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what do you think that would be? Continued success. Um, but honestly, even piggybacking on that is daily disciplines. Mm. You know, there is no big, huge home run, bottom of the ninth grand slams. It's all a bunch of singles. And those singles are derived from getting up a little bit earlier than everybody else. Uh, and spending, for me, it's spending time with the Lord. That's a 20-year habit that has uh, paid dividends upon dividends upon dividends, right? Uh, meditation time, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and then daily preparation, not just a quarterly action plan or a weekly action plan, but what am I going to get done today that contributes to that quarterly action plan? All of that is just daily, what I call daily disciplines. Maybe discipline is not the right word. Habits, things that move the ball down the field, even if it's only a couple of inches. I love it so much. So who has had the greatest impact on your life? You know, there's been a number of influences on in my life, but I will say very likely my father. And naturally you would expect someone to say that, but honestly, my father disappeared when I was six years old. Him and my mom got divorced. Not only were they was my mom a single mom, but she had no contribution, other financial or um, any type of support in any way with me and my sister. My father was an absentee dad. When I was uh, about 18 years old, my father and mother got remarried. Believe it or not. Wow. And my father came back into my life and started teaching me how to weld and how to do metal fabrication. By example, taught me a business ownership. But so the good and the bad, the good and the bad, when I say good and the bad, I mean, when you ask about influence, my father influenced me on how not to be a dad. <laughs> And he influenced me on how to be a dad and how to be uh, a success in life at the end. Wow. That's amazing. Well, it's yeah. quite, a, quite a story, man. Um, you and I were having a conversation and I kind of want to, uh, I'm going to set the stage with this and then I want to kind of turn it over to you and, and let you just kind of share, you know, your journey and um, story around success and failure. Um, but I'll never forget, uh, you and I were talking about this and I, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of coincidence in life. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting at a golf course in Arizona and we had showed up and, and me and a, another go abundance guy, Cody had decided that we were going to open it up from just four of us that were golfing on a weekly basis to eight. And so there was this big group of us that were golfing one day and this, uh, guy shows up and his name's Jake. 
and I meet Jake and he's like, Hey Mike, I've been listening to your podcast. You don't know me, but, um, you know, I, I met, uh, he met this other guy named Mike Fritz who brought him to the golf course. And he's like, just was super excited to get to meet you. And, uh, you know, your podcast is awesome and happy to be, you know, listening to it and meeting you. And so we get to talk and after we golfed for the day, I got to spend time with Jake and what an amazing human. And I asked him when we were sitting at lunch, uh, cause he's, you know, and like most successful people, you would have no idea how amazing and successful Jake is until you really get down and just start talking to him. So we start talking about, you know, his investment portfolio and how well he's done. And I'm like, how'd you get into real estate investing? And he's like, well, believe it or not, my mentor slash sponsor uh, is also a real estate investor. And, you know, just started teaching you about real estate investing. I'm like, oh, that's so cool, whatever. And then you fast forward like a year later and I meet you and you're like, yeah, I'm in GoBundance because of Jake Garcia. And I'm like, that was you, that you, you were like the man. Wow. I don't know if I, did I tell you that? No, no, that's an incredible story. I didn't know that that's the series of events. I knew you two had met from a smaller um, GoPod meeting or, you know, local meeting in Phoenix, but I did not know that, about that conversation. That's phenomenal. Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's just amazing the way that life works and, you know, kind of intertwines and, you know, Jake spoke so highly of you. And then I, I get to talking to you and, and get to know you and then find out that, you know, you're the, you're the guy that, uh, as, as you've done for so many people really helped him, you know, get his feet under him. And so, um, you know, just super honored to know you, man. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Well, thank you for those kind words, you know, and a lot of people don't know this. And I, I say this with permission for Jake, cause I know that he wouldn't mind if I told you this, but Jake and I were roommates in a 30 day drug rehab in 1999. And that's how we met was uh, we both have a lot of similarities in that world. And that's the world that I come from. I'm pretty transparent about it. I wrote a book about it for that yeah. man. So yeah, Jake uh, came to me um, he, when we were both sober um, and he both having success in our own right. And he was having a very successful career as a salesman, making the most money he had ever made in his life. And he came to me because there was something in his spirits that would that that didn't set well because he wasn't highest how do i say this any salesman will be able to relate to this he didn't feel good ethical about what he was selling mm. and they say and he really wanted to resign from that job and say hey i'm done with this but he needed the financial portion of it and he came to me saying i want to do what you do with real estate at the time above and beyond our auto repair shop businesses we started flipping homes we we're having great success with real estate and I started mentoring him on the real estate side. And as you know, he's he's done very, very well with, with that education. But you know what? I've offered that same education. And I know you can relate to this to hundreds of people. I can't even get him to show up at the local RIA meeting just yeah. once. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but true. Jake is an action taker. He takes the information and he acts on it and comes back and says, what's next? And he does that over and over and over again. And it's paid him dividends because of it. And it's a pleasure to know him because, like as you said, he's a beautiful soul. Yeah. He's a beautiful man. Yeah. Well, I would love to just kind of turn it over to you. I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving us a little insight uh, via the four questions into your world, but um, your story is just fascinating from, again, someone who hit rock, rock bottom and has, you know, gone on and turned it around. Like you said, you, you know, had successful auto, auto uh, repair shops and you've been successful in real estate, but talk to us about your journey. 
Well, I'll tell you, um, for those of you that don't know the terminology, I'm what's considered a low-bottom drunk. In the world of Alcoholics Anonymous, 12-step meetings, Narcotics Anonymous, it doesn't matter what they're, Overeaters Anonymous, there's there's people that get it a lot sooner than others, and then you've got low-bottom drunks. That means my elevator had to go all the way to the bottom floor before I got it, and the next step is death. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of where I was at. I was at that fork in the road, and as I talk about in chapter one of my book that's titled You You've got to be done because and for anybody to change anything in their world, the pain to remain the same has got to be greater than the pain to change. And eventually, and that's what a low bottom drunk is, by the way, is I finally got to the point where the pain to remain the same was going to have me in prison or have me dead. And I got it. And I sat in the waiting room or excuse me, the meeting room of a probation office where I was being in, uh, going through the intake process for adult probation. And uh, they handed me this thick packet, Mike, that I needed to fill out. And there's questions on there, everything from my my drug history. Um, They wanted to know my work history. It wanted to know everything about me. And I was sitting there at a fork in the road in my life. And I knew that I could either lie like I'd always done, which would have been avenue number one. I would have ended up uh, doing the time, the two years that was getting set aside for the probation, because there's no way that someone's going to keep doing the dope and pass these drug screenings that they do on a regular basis. Or I could get honest on this information packet and I could actually have somebody that wants to pour into me change my life. Mm. And I said, and I, I I got pretty naked, if you will, on that application process. And I was honest about everything right down to the fact that the crack pipe was still warm in my pocket, knowing that this probation officer, when she read that, could revoke my probation and have me doing the time. And uh, as I talk about it in my book, she invited me in her office after reading the packet. I was scared to death. My knees were shaking. And she sarcastically said to me, well, I guess we don't need to do a drug test now, do we? <laughs> and uh, and she says, look, you look like walking death. And if you're serious, I'm willing to help you. But if you're not serious, tell me now. Let's just save both of our time because I don't have time to play games. And I told her, I'm done. And uh, she immediately set out a plan that uh, for changing my life, got me into that 30-day rehab that we talked about previously, where I met Jake, and I started uh, rebuilding my life. And, you know, step num- you know uh, chapter number two and step number two of the eight building blocks that are in my book is you got to get uncomfortable and take action because the world has heard it from me and countless others about how they're going to, going to, going to, going to, going to do this. It doesn't matter. They don't, the, the, what they want to see is action and they want to see lots of it because that's what separates the people that are going to get things done. It doesn't matter if you're building a real estate portfolio, buying a company or getting sober. It, it's all talk until people actually see you taking the action and getting it done. And then chapter three talks about building a wave of momentum. It's stacked actions. It's not going to go to the gym and work out one day and then take a month off and then work out a couple of days, a Wednesday and a Thursday, and then take a month off and think you're going to have results, right? It's going to be, we all know this, it's common sense, but yet somehow we think that uh, if we're going to make change in our life, that we can do these things haphazardly when in reality, we know it's not true, right? We're just playing games with ourselves. So for me, um, I 
I did what, look, Mike, if they told me to stand on my head until the chain in the corner, until the change fell out of my pockets and I would get clean and sober, I would have done it. I was ready for change in my world, you know, and, and, and I did, man. They said, do 90 meetings in 90 days. I did it. Get a sponsor, get all the phone numbers you possibly can in case your sponsor is not available. I did all those things. And I'm happy to tell you that if there was such a thing, and there wasn't, but if there was such a thing as a most likely not to succeed at my drug and rehab place, I would have been voted the least likely to succeed. And I am the only one of the 52 graduating people that didn't have to go back out and continue to write some more testimony. I'm the only one that did. I don't I don't know. Other than building a foundation that was solid and on rock and not on sand, that's the only explanation that I have. Although I will give the Lord the credit for that, because certainly he had a hand in all of that. But the reality is, is. Man, I just did. I was a humble student, a lot like I have been in business when I have mentors in business. I needed, I went after recovery, like with the desperation of a drowning man. I just knew that I was going to die if I didn't get this thing. Wow. I appreciate the the transparency. And I'm curious, um, you know, just talking about the discipline and being ready. And does that translate over you know, into, cause I think a lot of my audiences, uh, you know, some of them are already, you know, successful investors and entrepreneurs, but right. a lot of people I would consider are probably on their journey from, you know, successful W2 people. They're looking for their freedom. Is it the same process? I know it's not, I know it's not addiction and I know it, but you're talking about commitment and I'm just sitting here thinking about that. You were, you know, most likely not to succeed, but, um, you just did the thing, you know, you were committed <laughs> 90 days all in. And it feels like, it feels like it's the same thing with success in life. It is absolutely 100% the same. As you'll see from reading my book, it isn't just for, it isn't a rags to riches story just for, for to give drug addicts hope. It's really a, a story that, and, and the principles for taking anybody out of a life of complacency, right? Mm-hmm. So step one, you got to be done. You got to be done with that old lifestyle. You got to be done with that W-2 job. You got to be done with settling for just good enough. You got to be done with a mediocre marriage. You got to be done with being ashamed of the level of parenting that you've been giving. You got to be done with your walk with the Lord being lukewarm. You got to be done with all the, you pick one, any one of those. And number one, you got to be done. Number two, you got to get uncomfortable and take action. Number three, you got to create a wave of momentum. And for those of us that are in business, you know, chapter four is you've got to prepare now for what's coming, right? Mm. So I continue to get education as any business owner that has any type of success will attribute to getting education and continued education, even not knowing what was coming and preparing ourselves for what's coming. My motto is to always make my future self happy with my previous self. And right now, as I sit today, I am very, very happy with the me I was five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, because I just continued to pour into myself, right? Chapter five is you've got to be open to the unexpected. You know, I was in uh, September of 2021. I'm sorry, 2020. Forgive me, 2020. I was in the waiting room. And I know you can relate to this experience because you've sold a business as well. I'm sitting in my waiting room. I'm in the process of scaling my auto repair shops. Our goal was to get to certain uh, amount in gross sales so that our multiple for selling it at some point in time, should that call ever come, be at the level that we wanted it to be at. But in the meantime, I was preparing for 
that phone call, regardless of when it came. Mm. And I was standing in my waiting room of our newly acquired store that we had gotten two weeks before. And it was an associate that I had met years ago, hardly remembered him. And he, he had sold his stores and joined the acquisitions team of the equity firm that was buying stores. And he reintroduced himself and says, hey, are you interested in selling your stores? And I started laughing out loud, Mike. I started laughing and says, dude, I'm standing in the waiting room of my location I just bought two weeks ago. And he said, without hesitation, we can work with that. So chapter five talks about, and long story short, uh, within eight months, they owned my stores, right? Wow. So we sold our stores and we were able to put the deal together. But, you know, chapter five is you got to be open to the unexpected. If you're not open for that phone call, if you're not open for that phone call from the resume that you put in a year ago, if you're not and unexpectedly, the phone call all of a sudden comes, right? You've got to, you must be open to that phone call that unexpected, right? And chapter six, you won't always feel like you're winning. You know, sometimes it's you're going you're going to go through some struggles and you're not going to realize that you are building some blocks and you're putting together the wall of success, if you will. But you some days you go home wondering if it's ever going to come together. Right. In my book, Chapter Six, I talk about the struggles in my marriage, quite frankly, to to um, put together the picture of not feeling. You know, I had businesses that were exploding. We we're flipping houses. We we're having fantastic success. And my wife and I weren't yoked alike in a lot of ways because of the baggage from the days that I was uh, using drugs. And I should be perfectly clear about that. My wife never used a drink or a drug. She was addicted to Rob and I just drug her into that lifestyle. Wow. And there was a lot of baggage in our relationship because of that, that hadn't been fixed yet. And because of counseling and some marriage mentors and a lot of very difficult work, difficult for a man and difficult for a drug addict uh, to go through all that process. And all the 12 step people can say, hallelujah, amen. I can relate because those are some tough things to go through. And I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am jump up and click my heels in love with that woman today. And it just, it thrills me like no other to see that woman be blessed for her faith back in those days when her parents and my parents were telling her to run like hell. <laughs> so that's pretty cool stuff, right? So, and then chapter seven says, you've got to understand the law of exposure. And the law of exposure is simply this. What you expose yourself to, you shall become. It's clear. I mean, we all talk about it. Well, you you are the average of your five closest friends. The reality is, is it even goes deeper than that. I'm I'm the I'm the product of what I expose myself to on YouTube, on on pod, podcasts, on crime TV, on you name it. I am the I am being molded, whether I know it or not. And whether I know it or not, I'm being shaped by the things I expose myself to, good or bad. So my goal is to get around like-minded Christian men that are out to be the best they can possibly be. So that rubs off on me and I can be the best that I possibly can be. And, you know, I feel miserably just like everybody else at that some of the time. So it's progress, not perfection. It's progress, not perfection. I don't need to be perfect. I just need to be better than I was yesterday. Right? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's good stuff. So good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and then, you know, chapter eight, the final step is uh, you won't do it alone. It, it, success is a team sport. I don't care what you're trying to achieve. I don't care if you're a long distance marathon runner. You still need a coach. You still need a team. You still need support. You need encouragement. 
we will never do it alone. You are just one portion of a team. It doesn't matter who you are. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm curious, uh, thanks for sharing, uh, you know, the chapters in the book and, uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll circle back to that here in a few and sure, sure. Fi- figure out where everybody can get their hands on it. Cause it's amazing, but I'm curious, you and I were having a conversation, uh, you know, a few weeks back and it, you know, in a lot of respects, um, you're, you're just so full of energy and life and I love it. It was, it was interesting talking to you because you had a exit, you know, from businesses and we don't need to get into the details of, uh, of what that all looked like, but you, you've already mentioned that you, you know, you built an amazing auto repair group and you ended up selling to private equity, but our entire conversation has been like, what's next for Rob. And I think sometimes, you know, people think that success is like this, it's a destination or it's a certain, you know, pinnacle at the top of the mountain. And I love talking with guys like you because you're just like, what's next? How do I help more people? How do I get more work done? You know, we were even just talking about the deal that you're working on and you're closing on stuff in San Antonio. And you and I were talking about potentially looking at some HVAC stuff together. So I'm curious of your take on, I mean, it's obvious talking to you, but what do you think about success being, you know, that a destination versus just, uh, it's just life, it's energy, it's purpose, it's passion. Yes, and it is a passion. And, you know, I always go back to what I'm a Jim Rohn fan. He's he's mentored me from a distance, doesn't even know the thousands of people he's helped, I'm sure. But, and I, of course, he's no longer with us. But Jim Rohn said, uh, if this is a question that we all should ponder and we all have to answer for ourselves, and it's this if you could do better, should you? Mm. Right. And the answer for me is yes. I know that God's put me and my wife together as a team on this earth for a mission. And it's not it's not accomplished yet. We're nowhere near accomplishing that. But one thing and I know you'll know this as as someone that exited business as well is the the top of one mountain is simply the bottom of the next. Mm. What the question isn't whether or not you're done. The question is, what's the next mountain, right? Yeah. So Claudia and I want to do as much as we possibly can for uh, different charities and 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 um, and uh, volunteer work, which we're doing some of that. I don't think I mentioned it to you just yet, but I'm going to, I wrote it in chapter one of my book and I put it in faith that I was going to run, that I had a goal of running the Boston Marathon. Well, shame on me for doing that because people that have read the book said, hey, how do, it's been a few years since the book came out. How's the Boston Marathon go? Well, I haven't run the Boston Marathon. So I, I finally got accepted this year. And I will be running on April the April the 18th, 2022. And I am raising, I got accepted onto the Massachusetts the, uh, Special Olympics um, for Mass, state of Massachusetts. And I'm raising money for the, uh, for the Special Olympics by running the marathon. Wow. That's yeah, cool. pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff. That's awesome. So just one more, you know, one, one more mountain to climb and one more just to be able, my grandfather ran the Boston marathon in his seventies. So I didn't want to wait till I'm 70. I think it's going to hurt pretty bad at 55. <laughs> I don't, I don't feel the pain at the age of 70. So we're just going to get it done and over with and check it off the list. And in the meantime, we're going to see if we can't raise $50,000 for special Olympics. Nice. I love it. Yeah. So how does that, how does that work, Rob? How, how does the fundraising side of that work? Well, you know, you can go to my website and uh, you can donate at any level that you want. And I will tell you full transparency, every dollar pledged, my wife and I will be matching dollar for dollar. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. So my website is uh, my name, robrosell.com or addictedtolifebook.com. Either one of those will take you to the destination. I'm having a button put up there actually today or tomorrow. So that's cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So by the time this airs, it, it'll be up there. In yeah, life. yeah. So I love the approach that you take. I don't think I've even had the chance to, you know, I've, I've been kind of just watching your journey and following you since we met. And I love the way that you um, just approach just money and wealth and, and building, but you, you always add these, like when you're on a vacation, I've noticed that you said uh, you always put hashtag spending the kids inheritance. Did I get that right? <laughs> Yes, you did. <laughs> I love yes, that. It's so great. And then I noticed when you're like walking properties or whatever, you said hashtag earning the kid's inheritance or something like that, right? Is that correct? Right. Yeah, very close. Yeah. Yes. I love I love the way that you approach um, everything we've ever talked about has been from a, uh, it's almost like you gamify it. You've had so much fun in life and and maybe it's because of the background, but I'm curious, is that just part of you know the daily discipline is getting yourself in that state? where you just enjoy life? Absolutely, 100%. And I, I do enjoy life. And I will tell you, part of that is my demented sense of humor. I love to, I love to sprinkle a little bit of laughter on everything. I think, I think laughter and the sense of humor, even though mine's a little bit demented at times, uh, having my kids read Spending the Kids' Inheritance is, <laughs> is just part of that demented sense of humor. But I love the gift of laughter, and I just know the Lord gave it to us for a reason. We should use it often because it's the best medicine there ever was. Mm, so good. <laughs> it is so true, man. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So you talk about um, full rounded success, and maybe maybe we've maybe we've touched on this a little bit. But I'm curious. I'm curious to hear your take on that. Well, I think it would be a crying shame for someone to claim that they're a success because they're a multimillionaire, but yet they don't have a strong relationship with their kids. Or they're a multimillionaire, they're financially free, and they're 250 pounds overweight. Or they've got diabetes and they're having problem with their knees because they're carrying that weight. But yet in the eyes of the world, financially, the things that they own, the things that they control, I shouldn't say own, we don't own anything. It's all the Lord's. We get to control it for a little while while we're here. But the things that they control, it looks like that in the eyes of the world, they're a great success. I believe we should have success in our health. We should have success in our relationships. We should certainly have success with our relationship with the Lord, whoever you claim that to be. I happen to claim that to be Jesus Christ, but certainly we should be practicing that and passing that legacy down to our kids, right? That's success. We should be having success in our marriage, the most important relationship we're ever going to have on this world, right? So, and the list goes on and on, and everybody needs a, um, success in our ministry, whatever that might be, whatever that looks like. We should all be giving back more than just our, our treasure, but also our time, as well as our testimony. You know, it's, it's very important. To, you know, the Lord gives us so much. And all he wants is 10% for tithes and some of our time. I mean, that's, it's so little to give back, isn't it? Yeah. So <laughs> that's part of success too. I love it. Well, you know, one of the things that I've taken away and I really appreciate again, just the way that you show up and your energy and, and just your drive. It's been amazing in the short period of time I've gotten to know you um, be open to the unexpected. I really, that, that was, um, that was super powerful to me. So I'm going to give you just an opportunity to, you know, share any last bit of wisdom or, you know, point us to your book. Uh, I know you mentioned you have an audiobook version of it as well. So any, any last words of wisdom or love or life that you'd like to share with us? Most of what we've talked about is the eight principles of success. For those of the, the, your audience that don't know me, my wife and I bought our first auto repair shop in 2004, second one, 2010, third one, 2014, fourth one, 2018, fifth one, 2020. Mm -hmm. 
In the meantime, in 2007, we took Robert Kiyosaki's real estate education on how to flip houses, took a lot of classes. Uh, we started doing that. We are recovered house flippers. <laughs> but in 2009, a gentleman by the name of Dave Lindahl was pitching his education at the, and by the way, we we're inducted into Robert Kiyosaki's Hall of Fame uh, two years later. And at that Hall of Fame induction ceremony in Orlando, Florida, a gentleman by the name of Dave Lindahl was there pitching his education for multifamily, <clears throat> excuse me, and we decided to sign on for that. And in 2018, we're inducted into his Hall of Fame for the for the uh, for the uh, multifamily stuff. And you know, over the time, we've we've LP'd, we've been in other people's deals, we've GP'd, we've KP'd, we've TIC'd or, or ticked or 1031'd our stuff in other people's deals, and we own our own um, units as well. So now we're addicted to multifamily and recovered from house flipping. But so uh, there's your business side of it. For those of the people that don't know who I am, they should probably hear a little bit of the business and real estate side. So go to my website and uh, get a free copy of my audiobook. It's available. Just click the button, make a donation for special limits if you feel so inclined. And anybody that orders a book, I do personalize it with my, I don't know about you. I, I'm just a hard copy library type of guy. I love, even if I get it on audiobooks, I still like to have it as part of my library because that's part of the legacy we're going to leave for our kids is our library. Yeah. I love it. I'm the same way, man. That's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, I can't thank you enough for, you know, just the work that you do in life and the way you show up, um, the energy you give in everything that you're doing. But, you know, I think most importantly, the focus that you have on obviously God and your family, but, but people in general, I love it. Right on, man. My prayer is that I bring a little bit of value anytime we do something like this. So I hope somebody in your audience has gotten something out of this and always appreciate hanging out with you, Mike. Yeah. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Rob. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.